your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to what day is today? Tuesday. In the news, you work ahead a day. You're always thinking what's coming up tomorrow sometimes, and that's why I can't I can't decipher what day it is. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line if you want to get in here for a couple minutes here. You can, you got a couple minutes. Um the uh the charges against that dude that drove through the the parade just went up. Uh five homicide counts. Although somebody did throw a comment on the Facebook uh comments online on the Wisdom page that it could be six counts of homicide because somebody in the hospital had died apparently i don't know how that works i guess if they die in the hospital later it's gonna get added to the total right just ugh, awful um yeah so if you want to read about that it's on wisdomnews.com i don't really actually want to talk about that for obvious reasons i will say there's another story on wisdomnews.com that is uh pretty interesting on our and this was presented to the Board of Public Works. I talked about it a little bit yesterday, but I didn't have a ton of time. Uh, just a, a couple of road projects, right? We're going to fix Lacrosse Street. I think it's been about four years. Seems like maybe it might. I feel like maybe it's been more than four years. How long has Lacrosse Street had a ton of potholes on it that have just been unbearable? And um. We've been waiting for the Wisconsin Department of Transportation to come swoop in and, and fix it. I mean, this has been an issue that Mayor Cabot, former Mayor Tim Cabot, has brought up because the city essentially went and patched, did some patchwork on that stretch of road because it was so bad. Hope, And then I think the hope was to get reimbursed for that because the DOT has just put off this project for so long. When you talk about like the Foxconn area getting all that new infrastructure uh, for a, a plant that's just not going to happen the way they said it was. They get all that infrastructure for this gigantic plant, right? How many football fields large was it going to be? And they build all the highways and, and whatever, everything else that that's, that is needed to power that thing. And then, that, then it's not going to happen to that capacity. You think, oh... Maybe we could have used some of that Foxconn infrastructure money to fix the roads. Um, yeah, somebody texts in. Yep. Another person had died in the hospital today. Somebody's getting sh- – shoot me a text, 608-785-7914 if you want to. Um, but uh, so so that that stretch of lacrosse street is going to cost about five – a little over $5 million apparently to fill. It's a lot of potholes to fill. Uh, no, I think they're just going to redo the – the whole thing so um that's why just go all in right like we're gonna fix it we're gonna fix it we we did the patchwork through the city and now the state's gonna come in the other one more interesting is heading down and i'm very excited about this although leading up to it it won't be very exciting because the road construction will just reroute you around the roundabouts that are going to go on south avenue and there's three of them this project's going to cost 11 million dollars to put uh, roundabouts on West Avenue, 16th Street, and Ward Avenue. So we're going to have three roundabouts there. We're gonna, we have or go- are going to get rid of some of the buildings in that area, and then you'll never have to stop at these stupid stoplights again, right? Some of these lights are just awful. So I'm actually on board with that. It sounds like a lot of money. 
about what just under four million a roundabout. <laughs> this costs four million dollars to put a roundabout, a roundabout in. So um, I don't know. It doesn't you got to do it? I guess. Just it seems like a lot of money. But and it, and is this the time to do something like that? Right? Like, is this? Do we really want to do that right now? Like in the middle of a, a pandemic when you know supposedly money is tight. Although I don't I don't know how tight money actually is. I think uh, maybe maybe in in the realm of the state and the feds paying for things like this. These are these are projects. Maybe we could, we could push maybe we could push the roundabout project back and and use that money for more immediate needs. I don't know, maybe, but uh, I do like the idea of having roundabouts there. But maybe that money at this point could be used better spent elsewhere. Uh, when we always talk about like it's a pandemic, we got to help people out, and and you know everything, everyone's going through harsh times. Um, all right. Coming up on the show, I'm going to bring in Laura Gooden. She's an archivist at the UW-La Crosse Murphy Library. She works, she's on the Heritage Preservation Commission. She's the commissioner or a commissioner. I don't, I don't think, I don't know. If the, I think it's a commissioner. Heritage Preservation Commission commissioner. <laughs> um, and we're going to talk about old buildings. So for those of you that are into old uh, La Crosse, City of La Crosse, county buildings. I, I don't know if we're getting into the county. Probably. I think the Heritage Preservation Commission goes countywide. Um, but they have a uh, they have a top 10 endangered list for 2021. And they're thinking about creating... Well, they're, they're creating. They're not even thinking about it. Well, they are thinking about it. But they're going to create a 2022 top 10 buildings that are on the endangered list that essentially the, the city needs to protect. Or maybe it's the county. I have to ask Laura if it's county or city. Um, and if it were up to her, there she has her own list, which is I think a hundred buildings long. So don't put her, don't don't let her make the list too long, because otherwise uh, we won't be able to put up any new houses. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. If you got questions, if you just want to comment on on some of the old architecture in the cross, shoot me a text. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. All right, we got it. Go to news. Brad doing the news. We'll be back with Laura Gooden talking old buildings after this. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line if you want to get in here. Before I bring Laura Gooden on, oh, she's technically she's on, so she she can hear me here. And uh, if she screams, we'll hear her. But uh, the Badgers are now up 10 points on number 12, Houston. They were up 20 at halftime. Now they're up 10. Houston's on a 12-2 run. But lacrosse native Johnny Davis is on fire. He's 7 of 13 from the field, 4 of 6 from beyond the arc. I think he hit his first four three-pointers, and he's got 20 points. Nobody else on the Badgers. Uh, one guy has eight points. Two other guys got three. Nobody. So it's, it's the Johnny Davis show. He's carrying Houston right now. Um, they probably need some other guys to step up, though. Um, hi, Laura. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, all right. So, Laura, I said this earlier, but she's the UW-Lacrosse Murphy Library Archivist, the super cool name. When I say that, I automatically think like you're working in the basement with scrolls and there's there's like really dusty old books and maybe a tomb in there, just stuff that's uh, – does does the, the Murphy Library even have like a, a – it's probably pretty nice in the basement, right? 
Um, well, we're very luckily we bucked the stereotype and not in the basement, but that's not necessarily inaccurate for a lot of archives. But uh, I will say, in back, it does get awful dusty sometimes. <laughs> Wait, there's not just a basement where you just throw a lot of stuff you don't need, you, you know, like you're, you'll get to later or you can't sort right now or you have to study. Oh, we definitely, we call that the processing room. But, uh, yeah, we're on the first floor. Uh, our basement recently flooded, so we we're very glad not to be down there. Oh, good. Um, also, Laura's on the Heritage Preservation Commission. You're a commissioner as opposed to the, the commissioner, right? Right. I'm one of many. Okay. How many people are on that commission? Oh, goodness. Um, I wasn't prepared for that question. <laughs> 50? Um, 10? No, like six, maybe. Oh, okay. So, well, that's fine. Under 10. Um, and then I, when, I was, when I was working this out before bringing you on, does the Preservation Commission just deal with city? Is it county? Uh, we just do city. There's actually okay. is a separate uh, county level um, uh, uh, historic preservation okay. group. All right. Well, that's good to know because we want to talk about this endangered list and the upcoming endangered list. So the, it's kind of a funny, it's a, it's a cool way to, I think everyone loves lists. So if you do a top 10 anything, uh, people are going to gonna like it. But you you have this top 10 list. I think you, you guys put this together. It's on the city's website, the top 10 endangered buildings list of 2021. The, essentially the old buildings you want to save. Is that how that works? That's exactly right. Yeah, we just uh, put together our first list last year. We just thought, you know, top 10, that's David Letterman, good, uh, good, you know, easy for people to remember. And uh, I also learned the word listicle, which is kind of like an article, but a, but a list also at the same time. And it's, I guess it's a good uh, tactic to, like, get people to pay attention. So Now, what you need to do is you need to rank these buildings actually. They need to be top 10 most endangered to, to least endangered on the, and then each week, Laura, you could release the, the updated rankings. Oh, the Mac, the McMillan building apartments went up two spots and they're now ranked number one in the most endangered because, because somebody is threatening to, to tear them down or something like that. Yeah. The problem is it's a committee and not, not necessarily we don't get along with each other, but we all have our own very opinions and even just picking the top 10 is, is hard so i think i think ranking them would might be get get a little contentious and, and dangerous and you might have some like history nerds you know well, battling that, it out well that's why you have a committee and then you have so you have the list top 10 and then and then what you need to do is is each committee commissioner ranks them and then you you give a point system so oh you know the uh, what's the number one building you have? The Rubley Washburn House got four first rate first place votes. It remains number one on the rankings. Well, and the question is, what happens if we all disagree and vote for our own building, like the building that we like the most? Well, then it would go. Then it would just it would go to the the list would be compiled. It, it would just be math. You're using math to see what what building is ranked where. Do you not know how top ten rankings work? I just don't, I'm a little worried there might not be enough of us. Like, so if we, you know, if there's only, a, you know, I, like I said, I'm not, I guess I haven't counted us lately because there's been some turnover lately, but I'm like, oh, if there's 10 things and only six commissioners and we all voted for six different buildings. No, you already have the list. You have the top 10 list. Right. And right, then do you guys meet monthly? Six and, people. Do you meet monthly? Yeah, we meet monthly. Okay, so each month you put out the top 10 list. So you have the list of 10, and then you just rearrange them based on what you think number 1 through 10 should be. The building, the 10 buildings are already there. You with me? You're yeah, with yeah, me. I'm just, 
I'm just worried, like, at least you have to, like, vote for multiple, because, like, if we all voted for a different building, then it'd just be, a, a like, a tie between all of us. Well, then there would be two two buildings tied for fifth. There's no way you're all going to have the same top ten rankings, and that would be fine. Yeah. Then you just use a point system. Number ten, the number one building on your list gets ten points. Number okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna quit explaining this because you clearly don't know how to top ten top ten buildings. No, work. But, I'm a, I'm a history major. But, I don't do math. I'm but, like like over my head. The the 2021 list. Uh, we've already lost two. These two buildings have gone extinct. Right, we've lost this the the building coming right off the blue coming off the blue bridge. That building got tore down. It was it's a nice patch of long grass now. Well, it's probably dead grass now. And then um, is that the city granite building? Yep, that's the city. Yeah, that was a real bummer, you know, because, you know, we were starting to put together this list, and before we could even finalize what we all voted on, it was like, oh, oh no, we're already going to lose buildings. And then last week, a different building on uh, 3rd Street came down. Yeah, is that the Jalen building? Is that what that's called? Yeah, Jalen. And that's where the Club Toucan, I think, is what we've been calling it. Club Toucan, is that that building? Yep, yep. That that's what it, that was the most recent business was in there, but a lot of people know it as the Pizza Villa building. Okay, so so we lose these buildings as, on the endangered list. Um, the what does the preservation heritage preservation commission need to do? Uh, you know, to what what? How do we how do we say? You know, you guys put these on the list, hoping that they don't get torn down. And here we lost two of the ten. That seems pretty. Uh, pretty radical. You know, what can the commission do or what can the city do to help stop that? Yeah, so we've recently uh, started looking into some ordinances that other cities have had that um, uh, sort of ban like this uh, demolition by neglect. So like the Pizza Villain slash Jalen building that came down on 3rd Street just this past, you know, week, um, it was in the National Register of Historic Places. And so usually you can't tear down a building like that without getting approval from a bunch of different people. But because it had fallen into such a state of disrepair that um, it didn't even have to go to the Heritage Preservation Commission anymore um, be, uh, because it, you know, it just, it was considered a, a safety hazard. So but not- the reason it was a safety hazard is just because it sat vacant and empty for so long that it became like a hole in the roof and, and p- basically pigeon poop. And, and that became a, such a health hazard but they didn't even need permission to, to tear down a historic building anymore. So we're hoping to like get an ordinance passed that if we see something like that happening, that we can step in earlier and hopefully take um, steps to remediate that. Yeah. So the, 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 first of all, the, not only did it, did it get torn down, it's on your top 10 list. Is this the first year you did the list or was 2020 the first year you did the list? Uh, 2021 was our first inaugural okay. list. All right, so it's on your 2021 list. It gets torn down, uh, but not only that. So it, it was on a national registry. So the, like na- this building was nationally known uh, to be to be historical, and we shouldn't have been tearing it down. Yeah. So the whole like there's a whole downtown district that's nationally recognized. But if you lose buildings from it, like that national register district gets diluted. And if you lose enough historic buildings that are, you know, contributing to that National Register designation, you can get what they call delisted. And if you get delisted, um, it's, it's very bad because um, when you're on the National Register of Historic Places, you can actually qualify for tax credits to fix things up and to restore things and to put things back as they historically should have been. 
And um, and if yeah, basically, if you know, if the if the if the district itself, if you lose enough buildings and it's just not considered eligible anymore, then everybody loses those tax credits. And so you hurt the whole downtown area, and um, and and then it's it's bad for tourism and it's bad for like our history and our culture and saving those things. Is there a way to determine whether or not look like let's just use lacrosse whether or not lacrosse would even be close to being delisted, so to speak? It's it's kind of subjective um, because it depends on like how good the buildings are, how many they are, what's the density, um, but. But we know that we had enough to get listed in the first place. It's like so now you're just it's it's kind of a guessing game. Like if you how many does it take lost to to dilute that enough that that the the you know the national um, register is like no it's no longer up to our standard. You know you're no longer at the top of the top of the rankings. Yeah. And and so it's it's a very it's kind of like a dangerous game. It's a little Russian roulette. You know it's like well is this going to be the building that gets us delisted? Sure. Um, and this is something that is, is no surprise, right? We have historic buildings; they're probably expensive to keep up. And if if you there's there you know the people that own them might not have the funding to, or or maybe they're in a spot where if they if they were able to if they had the means to just let the building go into disrepair, then they could get it torn down. This is something you've probably seen multiple times, huh? Yeah. Um, so, in, you know, in some ways, it can be expensive to keep up because you think you have to update the plumbing, you have to update the electrical. But in some ways, they're actually cheaper because, like, they're built with such quality materials that, um, you know, solidly built with, you know, brick and, you know, long-lasting, um, you know, long-lasting materials that we that just don't get seen in construction today. In some ways, they can be cheaper, um, but there are tax credits available to the state and the federal government when you're on a you know, a register and you're recognized as being a good building, you know, a big, important historic building. And so that actually makes it somewhat, in some ways, cheaper. Um, yeah, you actually so get it help. Just, it just depends, you know, like if you're doing the maintenance and you're keeping up with it, in some ways, you know, having an historic building can can actually be more affordable. And honestly, it's better for the environment, like, you know, with global warming and all the things that are, you know, going on in the news right now, like tearing down a building is awful for the environment. All that goes into landfill, and after study after study after study has shown that the greenest building is the one that's already built. And so, even if you if you take the time to build like a very energy efficient building, like just because you're you're producing all those extra materials, you know, to build a building from scratch, it's just not going to be as good for the environment as saving something, preserving something that's already been built. And so, if we really care about our environment. And we care about our history, and we care about preserving our, our cultural heritage. Like the best thing that we can do for ourselves is save these old buildings that, you know, are basically built of standards that can are just not affordable to meet anymore because of the the quality and the, you know, the the way that construction has changed over the years. Like to to build something that has been, you know, like we tore down, like the Saturn Hotel, or the old post office, or the old courthouse. Like it wouldn't be affordable nowadays. And so when we have those old buildings, we should try to save them because reproducing that construction is just not economically feasible anymore. Yep. We're speaking with Laura Gooden. She's a on the commission she's a commissioner on the Heritage Preservation Commission. She's hoping to become the czar or something. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, we no, take, I don't want to be in charge of anything. <laughs> we gotta take a break. Uh, Brad's gotta do the news.
uh, Scott's comment, which isn't Scott. It's Bill's comment today. We'll be back in a minute. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914. This is the text line. Laura Gooden's on with me. We're talking old buildings. She's on the Heritage Preservation Commission. She's also an archivist at the Murphy Library at UWL. Uh, Laura, the uh, top, let's go top two favorite Thanksgiving things on the table when you're eating Thanksgiving Day dinner. Oh, uh, mashed potatoes and stuff ain't easy. Okay, and then worst two. Do you have a worst two? Uh, I don't like cranberries. I don't know if that's an unpopular opinion. No, I, the, uh, the cranberries are awful. Although, yeah, although um, you can't say that in Wisconsin because I think Wisconsin's the world's number one producer of cranberries. I know. Yeah, I like cranberry <laughs> juice. I just don't like it on my turkey. I'm like, fruit and meat should not be combined. <laughs> my personal comp- opinion. Um, all right, so we're talking to old buildings. The Heritage Preservation Commission. This will be year three next year. When you when when do you think you will release a new top ten endangered buildings list? So um, the plan is for 2020 to at least replace the two that we lost uh, with two new selections, and we're kind of like you know with any committee work, we're trying to figure out what the best way forward is if we want to pick you know, like, and have 10 totally new buildings, or if we want to actually track the ones that were already on the list, because, you know, if you pick something on the list and you turn that list over, you know, every year, you know, you don't want people to forget about the stuff that you've already talked about. Yeah, it's not like an endangered species where the bald eagle is on the endangered species list, and then we protect it for so long that it becomes, you know, it thrives again, and therefore... Oh, bald bald eagles can come off the list. There's bald eagles everywhere. We're good. Uh, old build like could an old building on your 2021 top 10 list be become so preserved? Like, well, maybe somebody updates it. Maybe you're like, you know what? This building's the person that owns this building has updated it. They've gotten it to the point where there's there, it is no longer endangered. It's, it's no longer going to be torn down. I guess what is the criteria for for putting the building on it in the danger list? Is it because it's going it's threatened to be torn down, or is it because it's so old and like you know uh, historic to the city that it can't be touched? It's definitely there's something threatening it, and it's it's kind of like this precarious balancing act because um, sometimes like. A house is like just not being taken care of, you know, whether it's a, a rental and the, the landlord's not investing in it and taking care of it because there's some rentals that are taken care of very nicely and some that aren't. Uh, or it could be something that's totally outside the owner's control, like say like there's a, a nearby business um, or hospital or something like that that's expanding to the neighborhood and tearing down old houses to, you know, build new buildings. And that, that has nothing to do with the owner. But, um, you know, we put something on the list. Sometimes we think about that because we don't want to, like, accidentally alienate an owner that's actually trying their best to, like, take care of a house. But just because of where they happen to be located, um, they might be endangered. And it still might go on the list for that for that reason. You know, we're going to try to be as clear about it as possible because, like, the, the purpose isn't just to, like, you know, uh, call out the person that's owning it. It's like, hey, this is an important building that you might not have noticed or might not have seen before, and it could be endangered for any number of reasons, whether, you know, whether or not that someone's not taking care of it, or it's in danger of just being torn down because, like, 
you know, a university, a hospital, or a business is just expanding in that area and tearing down a lot of things. Yeah, I so, mean, there's there's different ways to look at, you know, I own a historic building, and, you know, some people could be like, this thing is a, a, a money pit. I want it. I'm going to let it get so dilapidated that the city w- will have to tear it down because it's a, a, a health hazard, and it doesn't matter that it's on a registry, a historic registry anymore. I, 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 it will be better for my business if I can get it to be torn down because I, I can't afford to put me anymore. And then the flip side of that is I, I live somewhere and I, I, I know I live in a historic house, but I don't have the means to keep it updated. I'm, ha- I'm struggling with it. But if you if you promote that, hey, this house, this person's house is on an endangered list. It, you know, it gets into um, the mainstream a little bit, even the the news stream a little bit, and maybe people rally around that and and, and start offering you ways. You know, the the commission, right? The commission will start working with you and, and figuring out ways to help update that house, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the city is willing to work with people that own historic buildings because yeah, sometimes it's just bad happenstance. Like sometimes there's a fire, you know, that you know, like the casino bar that was downtown. That wasn't anybody's, you know, you know, no one meant for that building to burn. And um, and the fact that it's been damaged by fire, like now the city is trying to work with that owner to make sure that there's a timeline and and means to try to fix that building because it's a very important historic building. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, uh, I don't think so. So you have your 2021 list. I would say there's, there's, is there, is there any houses on this list that really got updated or got, uh, you know, somebody put some money into them or they got some grants to help update them where they would come off the list? Um, not, not any that I can think of on, on the list for this year. Okay. Um, but I know in, in the like in the past, like people have called out different different houses. So like there was the Pettibone House that was very near the public library, and a, a, a architectural historian that was a professor here at EWL. Um, he was giving talks at the public library, and he's like, "Man, I just don't think that this house is going to survive. It's on um, A Street." And and he's just like, well, no one's lived in it. It's been vacant. Um, the problem is like there's no room for a garage. And he's just like, I just feel like it's it's just not going to make it. And just by him pointing that out, like people took notice of it. And then um, some people that like historic buildings fixed it up and turned it into a bread and breakfast. And now, like it's it's making money. Like you know, like yeah. it's, it's a you know, it's a business. It's occupied. Something's happening. Did they did they turn and now, it now? I consider that saved. Did they turn it into a bread and breakfast or a bed and breakfast? Bed, a bed and breakfast. Okay. Sorry. Well, I thought maybe they had a new business idea where you get you yeah. you make your own bread or something. Uh, it's dinner time. I might be thinking about food. <laughs> write it down. I think it's a good idea. Bread and bec- breakfast. I can't even say. And then I'm saying bec- breakfast for some reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I could I see. Like I could your, see your your top ten list being a little fluid each year, be, but based on you know if the house gets updated, like that li- that house that you're speaking of would have maybe been on a top ten list, and then maybe the next year would have come off it. Mm-hmm. And we have high hopes for like the fire station. So that's been nominated. It's on the city register now. Uh, but the fact is, like the fire station, it's still not. You know, it's not a modern fire station. So it's not going to meet their their fire station needs. But that doesn't mean that it couldn't be apartments, or couldn't be like a daycare, or couldn't be um, a restaurant, or anything like that. Um, so once something, you know, once the fire station is able to to move and build a new fire station nearby where they need to, and that is occupied by something else and becomes like a, a positive plus for the city's tax rolls. 
Like, I, I consider it pending right now, but once something else is able to go in there, then I would consider that safe. So I consider the, the fire station number four at 906 Gillette Street on the city's north side, I consider that to be a pending thing on the list and hopefully is on its way to being saved. Yeah, it, yeah, it could drop off. It, you, you will probably put it on the 2021 list and then maybe at some point. You know, I think you could update this list throughout the year. It wouldn't be a bad idea if, if something like that, the fire station might drop off the list uh, within the year, and then you guys could add another one at the next monthly meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've you know we've seen you know the part of this list is like we've seen this process happen in the past, but we're just looking for a way to get it to the public, you know, in a more uh, you know interesting sound, you know interesting way that people can access. Like you know, you think about the um, the uh, uh, the gun brewery loss, like you know, like that was vacant for a long time, and now there's apartments in those. And so that was saved, and they're like, well, how can we expedite this, and how can we get it out to the public, and how can we let people know that these buildings exist and that there are lots of buildings out there that are it's possible to save them and they can be reworked for other reasons. So that was kind of like the impetus behind the whole making the list thing. Yeah, for sure. And, and now looking to 2022, one of the buildings that will likely go on this endangered list is the casino bar right after that fire last year? Yeah, we're thinking about it, but... Um, but we're actually pretty hopeful about it because we know that the owner has been in contact with the city. Um, and, you know, of course, with the fire, there's insurance that goes into it. Uh, but there are a lot of people very interested and invested in that. And depending on, like, what we hear and find out, like, how that process is going, if it's, you know, if, it's, if the process is going well and it looks like progress is being made, that might not make it to the list because we might think, oh, well, somebody's working on it. Um, and, and, and basically it's a, it's a little bit of an unscientific, um, process in some ways because we all kind of like pay attention to what we see and what we think is, um, you know, what, what, what we think is most endangered from what we hear and see. And, you know, we kind of try to keep our ears to the ground because yeah. things, things in historic buildings can change very, very quickly. Like something seems fine. And then all of a sudden, well, it's okay. not fine. Well, how does this work then? The casino bar, like you talk about, it's it's fairly. It sounds like it's fairly popular in the terms that people want to save it. Whether that's the owner or an outside group wants to come in, sounds like there might even be investors in in preserving that. Then, how does Club Toucan get to to the point, or what did you call it, Pizza something, Pizza Villa? Pizza Villa. How yeah. does the Pizza Villa get to the point where it's dilapidated so badly that it, that it doesn't matter that it's on a national registry? We're tearing it down. Is it because it's not as cool a building? Um, it's basically like. You can't force people to sell. And so if people are interested in buying the building and fixing it up, you can't force the people that own it to sell it and let someone do that. Well, not even and, force them to sell it, but you could. You can't force people to keep it from getting more and more dilapidated. Is that kind of the deal? That, that's how it is right now. Okay. Um, because, yeah, like there's no law against letting a building set vacant. Yeah, and if it gets to the point where it deteriorates enough that it becomes a health hazard because, like, there's a hole in the roof and pigeon mo- pigeons move in and it's full of pigeon poop, like the you know the the people that are in charge of building safety they don't have any like court you know they don't have a they don't have a you know a, a horse in the game you know they don't have a you know a, any stakes in it they just look at it from a purely from a public safety so, standpoint. So other cities uh, in Wisconsin have have uh, maybe rules to disallow something like that to happen? 
Exactly. And uh, the city right now in the, the city planning planning department, they have a, a college intern, and she is looking through, like, what other cities do and what their policies are and taking, like, kind of compiling, compiling the best parts of those and seeing, like, if we can't put something together here. And it's not like we want to, like, stop owners from being in charge of their buildings, but if someone is purposely letting something fall apart just because they feel like, a new building would be best for, you know, for their monetary reasons. Like, we all pay the price for that. Like, that's our history. That's our cultural heritage. That's our city. And, like, our city, like, a big part of its economics is, is dependent on tourism. And so it's, it's, like, for the public good to try to preserve those, if it's possible, if it's feasible, if it makes sense. Well, we had and a... So you don't you don't want, like, one bad actor trying to prevent us from you know, from having a historic city if that's in the public interest of everyone. Well, in that regard, we had a building burned down a decade ago, I think, and and I had a friend live pretty near to this area on J Street where it's just, right now it's a grassy, a little grassy lot where uh, she used to take her dog to pee and poop. Um, so the people that use that area for their dog to pee and poop, that's that's getting a, a new, they're, they're building a new building, but the person that wants to do that really has to abide by a lot of rules to kind of make it fit historically. Not that it's going to be a historic building, but to make it kind of look uh, the the part, so to speak. Do you, do, do you mm-hmm. have you have you paid attention to this process? Yeah, so it actually comes before the Heritage Preservation Commission because it is in a national historic area, and the, you know there are certain things that are unpreventable. Like if like if like a very catastrophic fire happens that nobody wants, and the building can't be saved, it can't be saved, and that's what happened in that in that instance. And and nobody wants to see that you know sit empty if it doesn't have to. And so um, yeah, uh, recently within the last couple months, um, someone came before us and say like this is what we want to build here, and it actually it fits in the neighborhood nicely. Like we don't want things to look fake or faux historic. But we don't want things to look, like, out of place either. And this building strikes a nice balance of both things. It uses, you know, uh, bricks, you know, and, and also, you know, nice materials where it fits in. And it has that vibe of history, but it also has a little bit of modern vibe. So you know it's a new building, but it, it, it has just enough elements that it fits into the neighborhood where it doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. What if- because I think we've... We've all been in neighborhoods, like, where we, you know, it's like a historic neighborhood, and all the buildings are from, like, you know, between, like, 1880 and 1920, and then all of a sudden you look at something, you're like, wow, that's so 60s, or wow, that's so 70s. We don't want people to have that feeling. We, we, we want people to know when it was built around, but we just don't want it to stick out like a sore thumb. And I think this person's going to put, uh, uh, like, high-end apartments in there. What if McDonald's came in and said, we want to put a McDonald's there? Would you guys have a say there? Um... I don't know if we have a say over what exact business goes in there, but we have a say over like the look of the building, whether we feel it fits. Okay, so and, like the, depending on how it's done, it could be done very well. Like the you know on the corner of Fourth um, and Main, there was a McDonald's there. I think it's a jewelry store now, and like there was a, that the garden there, that Manley Garden, and like the, the McDonald's actually didn't. It worked there pretty good because like they actually built like a bridge over there and retained part of the gardens, and it and it actually worked. Um, the Duluth Trading Company is a good example of that. They moved into the historic Dorflinger building. Yeah, Duluth, you know, they usually build a new building for their stuff, but they were able to retrofit a very nice building with a modern business, and, it's, it, you know, it met the needs of Duluth, and it met the needs of the downtown district where it fit in, and it still was a very viable business. So, 
uh, compromise is definitely possible. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they'll have a, like a, a, a an 1800s McDonald's. Yeah, <laughs> and, and sometimes it's a good marketing tactic. You know, like the Loop put up that uh, that cool sign with the clock on it because there used to be a Dorflinger sign with the clock on it that's fun. And that was, you know, it was, it was good publicity. It was free press. It was like a nice thing that, um, like, an homage to the past that people remembered from from the Dorflinger building. But then it, it fit into this new modern business that that people are excited about and to have downtown. All right. So my idea with the with your you have a top ten endangered list. You're going to release a new set of buildings next year. I have two ideas for you. First, uh, you need an honorable mentions. So that, like, if you lose a building throughout the year, you, you, you all can vote the, at the next meeting to see what building moves up onto the top 10 list. I don't know if that's 5, 10. It could be 50. You could have as many honorable mentions. It would be hard to pick one uh, out of the honorable mention if there's not enough commissioners because you'd have to get two people to vote on the same building. Um, you also What you also need to do as, a, as the Heritage Preservation Commission, and, and you could I, – I don't know if these rankings would move a whole lot – but along with an endangered list, you should just do a top 10 historical buildings list unless you already have one. No, I, as far as I know, we don't have one. Um, I, I think I think it'd be a fun idea, but I, I just I do want to remain friends with my commissioners, and we all feel very passionate about this. Well, I don't and know. So even, I don't you know, know. So I don't want us to like fight among ourselves too much, but well, uh, but it might it be a good way I think to bring more publicity to it. You, as the commission, can have the final say of what the the top ten. You all could have your top tens, and and we could do the top ten list. But I think you should get community input into what the. The, the rest of the city, you know, whether you have some surveys go out or or just, uh, you know, like some polls, get, I, I think that would bring a lot of attention to some of these historic buildings. Top 10 list. Top 10 lists work in, in any way, shape, or form. In fact, you could have a bottom 10 list as well. What are the 10 worst historic buildings in the cross? <laughs> now, you're like getting, now you're not going to make any friends if you do a, t- yeah. a bottom 10 list. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we're. I mean, we're very willing to take input from the public. And last time when the other list came out, there were there were some people that were asking questions about you know specific buildings and and whatnot. And so, if anybody has nominations, um, you, you can they can email the city planning department, um, and uh, we'll definitely we'll definitely take it into consideration. Yeah, I think I think what you call them would be stakeholders. You do a top ten list of the best historic buildings. And then maybe you have a you, know, the, you have the commission, but then maybe you have like five or ten stakeholders in the city. Brad Williams, he's interested in really old buildings. He could be in our newsroom. He could be a stakeholder on this, you know, and where he would have his top ten rankings. And then you just compile the list. Get to it, Laura. Get to it. <laughs> I'm not in charge, luckily. Thank oh, goodness. <laughs> you just bring this. Uh, you bring this idea up to the next meeting. I think you said nobody's yeah. in charge, right? You're all just commissioners, so it's just uh, another way to get get your uh, to promote the preservation commission. We have to agree, and we have to. We, we are. We don't get paid by the city, so we're all volunteers. We meet once a, once a month, and we do some you know work outside of it. So we're trying to keep it manageable as possible. Well, you said uh, to we me definitely all care about care about this so we're willing to invest some time in it too though. yeah i think all the time you would be invested because you said to me and, and it, you actually have a top 100 list uh so not that they're ranked to 100 but you have 100 buildings on on the the, the in the city that you'd like to pre- see preserved so yeah luckily yeah in my work here I, I you know i i meet a lot of people i talk to people i pass a lot of houses and and you know i just kind of keep 
keep my own little personal mental list. And it recently got so long, I, I did start writing it down with houses that I'm just interested in. And it's, it's like, man, if I'm the last ditch effort to save something that's truly amazing, you know, I might be that person at some point. All right, that's Laura Gooden. She works as an archivist at the Murphy Library at UWL, and she's on the commission, the Heritage Preservation Commission. Thanks a lot, Laura. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yep, see ya. Bye. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks to Laura Gooden again for, for joining and talking about old buildings in the cross that we need to save.